watch we are your hosts we have julia in new york and myself kaylee in london um so we're doing something a little bit different this week on remote watch where we're gonna have a five minute review of the eternals because this is our podcast and we can do what we want so we're just gonna talk a little bit about that before we get into that (laughs) <laughs> we should acknowledge that last week we said we were going to cover Edgar Wright, but this week we're going to do a straight grab bag and talk about chemistry in couples on TV and movies, because honestly, we were not prepared. <laughs> that and movie tickets are, you know, we can't keep affording to watch all the movies because Marvel is training out what we want to watch. And sometimes we want to watch something that isn't Marvel. And sometimes we don't have enough budget to put Edgar right on top of that. So I'm really sorry, but we didn't watch last night in Soho. Or it got really bad reviews and I didn't feel like spending money for it. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, we still love the guy. Uh, We'll just, we'll talk about Edgar next time. And for now, we'll just talk about Chloe Zhao's new masterpiece, The Eternals. So Um, what are your thoughts, Julia? To me, Eternals was fun. I don't understand all the hate on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I'll be honest, I'd rather rewatch Eternals than Thor The Dark World, obviously. Come on, don't be surprised. You know that movie sucked. I have somehow seen that movie twice in cinemas, unfortunately. Very unfortunately. You spent money (laughs) to see that movie twice. I didn't spend money. It was a school trip. And then they were like, oh, let's go to the cinema this school trip because your class won something. We're going to go watch a movie. And I think it was between Loki. Oh, it was between watching Loki or something else. And everyone's like, oh, my God, we want to watch Tom Hiddleston. Let's go watch Thor The Dark World. And somehow we ended up watching. I ended up watching it there. And once I'm with my parents, so... (laughs) So you, you didn't have to pay either time. That's true. All right, but, then you, know. you win. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I did have to pay for the Eternals because we don't actually get press passes because we are still a very tiny podcast. Oh, but I, so, I, I paid for IMAX tickets, so that was fun. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I paid for IMAX tickets. So basically, the day that I watched it, right, uh, we were watching it at Tiny Cinema that's near me but in like one of the bigger cinemas in Leicester Square apparently the, uh, some of the cast members went to Leicester Square to surprise a viewing of an IMAX viewing of the Eternals on the same day I went to watch it and I was like maybe I should have gone to Leicester Square just to watch it so I could potentially meet Gemma Chan and Richard Madden and I'm like I don't know so but either way I still got to enjoy the two of them on screen when I watched the movie because I liked the movie unlike what most people think I don't know I do have issues with it like I have issues with a lot of things it's really exposition heavy and it has to be because everything was so new but I enjoyed the newness of it and also my gripe with it was way too long it didn't feel as long as some other movies I've watched. Like, I saw No Time to Die, and I found out that movie was almost three hours long. And I was literally Gee. in the theater trying to check out how long the movie was. And I was like, what the hell? But in Eternals, <laughs> I didn't check. I didn't care. I didn't check. But, like, I think at some point I was like, this movie's going on way too long. Like, I think we should have cut off some characters. I I full-on believe that Kit Harrington should not have been in this movie. And I agree with people who tell me, like, no, he could be in this movie and it's fine. I see what they see. But I just think we should have cut that out. And we maybe should have cut out Kumail Nanjiani's character because he just dips. 
Yeah, he's kind of just there for like comedy. But I'm like, yeah. Marvel already does that with half the stuff they do. Yeah, um, no, that was another issue I had was because Marvel, they're getting pretty formulaic in that it's like, oh, this is a Marvel movie and you see it. But Eternals breaks from the formula pretty well, but it still leans back really heavily on like the we're going through something serious and emotional between these characters and then suddenly whip it's comedy you don't have time to process whatever emotional thing that's happening between these characters because you have to laugh now and uh once or twice is fine but at this point i just want these characters to have some emotion i mean that's true but you also might be asking a little too much from like comic action movies um that's true. it's not like when you're turning the pages of a comic you get the chance to like oh, this feels so deep. Like, you get right. to do that after you re- reread it, like, several times or take a break from looking at the pages. I suppose, like, because it's such a serialized series of, like, Marvel back-to-back-to-back, I sort of expect it because, like, we've, we have a lot, a lot of time with these characters. So it doesn't hurt if you're gonna, if you, to explore what they're feeling deeper. So I guess that's what I was thinking. I mean, we haven't gotten a lot of time with the Eternals. That's um, true. Which we'll probably find out explains why you really didn't want Kit Harrington in it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do long. really think we needed him, not only because of like the setup for his future as a character in the MCU, but also like it's a reflection on Cersei. She Is loves he... humanity. She <sighs> loves Icarus. And here's this man who embodies her love for humanity and also looks like her ex. <laughs> so you <Shit>. need him <laughs> for her. Okay, fair. But speaking of the setup bit, that's another thing that I sort of had a gripe with in this movie because uh, the marketing point for Marvel used to be that you were able to uh, divorce yourself from not seeing all the Marvel movies. So like, if you enjoyed Guardians, you don't have to watch um, Iron Man 2 to understand it. That was the sort of selling point of the MCU. But ever since Endgame, everything is connected therefore you have to do a bunch of homework to get to watch it not that it's not fun to do uh marvel mcu homework but like um it's starting to get a little bit accessible for the casual viewer at this point i mean if they believe in it go on but you know i feel like i'm the last person who should be talking because i've been watching them since they started coming out um proud viewer since 2008 (laughs) um But it's like they spent that time establishing themselves. So they were going to establish Iron Man. They were going to establish Guardians. Like Marvel didn't have a good history in terms of like, we have great films. I mean, they released Spider-Man 3, which mm, no. Um, (laughs) So at this point, now that they've established themselves, they're big enough to be able to be like, oh, this is a Marvel film. We have all the funding. We have Disney backing us. We can now get these big name actors. At this point, if you haven't even bothered to look up what's going on in Marvel, then you're a little late to the game. That's fair. Like, I totally get that too. But it's just from my viewpoint, especially because uh, a lot of these are for, like, kids. So it's kind of... It, for it's kids? Kind of you thought Eternals was for kids? <laughs> not, no, kids... No, I mean, not not necessarily Eternals, but like, uh, let's say like a young child wanted to watch Shang-Chi and their parents aren't Marvel fans and didn't show them Iron Man 3. They'd be so confused when the little white guy shows up. 
So Oh uh, yeah, no, you don't really need Iron Man 3 for that. You just know that he's ridiculous and he impersonated the that's Mandarin. Fair. I think but, the only person that'd be confusing is Wong and that's it. So a little bit more about the Eternals. What I loved about it was basically how everyone in the Eternals seem to vibe better as a group. I, I will argue they vibe better as a group more than the Avengers. These guys have been around each other forever. So they're just like, they know what uh, gets each other thick. And then it's just fun to watch them poke at each other. And it's really cute. Especially like, I love Drake and Kari. Like, it's the cutest thing. Yeah, everyone else does too. They're all, I always end up on some kind of like thirst TikTok. They're throwing a, thirsting over Druig. Really? Um, they're all learning how to say like beautiful, beautiful Makari in sign oh. language because they're like, oh my God, it's so romantic. And I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> um, but apparently that came across when Lauren Ridloff and Barry Kyokin, is that how you say his last name? Um, when they were on set together, apparently Chloe Zhao had saw some chemistry there that Jurig and Makari weren't supposed to be a thing, but Chloe saw it and she was like, hey, can you guys like be a little more flirtatious in this scene? Cost chemistry is what makes or breaks a lot of TV and movies because you can sort of tell if like people don't vibe with each other and it reflects on screen. It's just like, oh, they're not vibing. It's, they're not having a great time. Um, have you seen like those reports where apparently like Rachel McAdams really hated Ryan Gosling when they were working together for The Notebook? I did not see that. I was thinking of Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain in Lois and Clark. Like apparently they couldn't stand each other at all. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So... Love that our, well, on press junkets and stuff, everyone loves each other. So, hey, <laughs> we don't know their personal life. I think Eternals-wise, definitely great casting. Thank you, Sarah Haley Finn. Um, I want more Richard Madden because I love him and his gray streak very much. Without the gray streak, he's not as hot. But you, but the combo of Richard Madden and the gray streak. You just want him to get old. I want to see 50-year-old Richard Madden. Let's go. This episode is just me thirsting for Richard Madden, and I'm not mad at it. How old is he? 35. He's not. He doesn't look 35. No, he looks 35. Actually, I take that back. But no, yeah, the gray oh, I thought this gray so streak. Hot. I thought the gray streak was just makeup. It's actually his. no. He actually has it. <gasps> yes, that it's hot. Oh shit. <laughs> With the Eternals, we've seen the first ever on-screen love scene on Marvel, which was a surprise, and I did not expect that when I, when I saw it and it happened. I was like, what the hell? No, no. On Twitter, journalists were making this be like the most sexual scene ever. They were like, oh my God, you can't take your kids to see this. It's the most tame sex scene I've ever seen. Then again, I watch Outlander, and that's just like if smut came to life. Um so <laughs> I really shouldn't be talking about this. But I remember honestly, texting you about this. Yeah, I and... do think that the scene with Shang-Chi's parents had way more intense like chemistry than whatever the hell this sex scene was. Like I felt like I wasn't supposed to be in that fight scene. <laughs> Honestly, seeing that fight scene was odd to me because they are, uh, I watch a lot of Hong Kong TV and Hong Kong movies. They are two different generations of like Hong Kong media. So like uh, Tony Leung's is obviously older and Fala Chen is like slightly younger. Hers is uh, more around like uh, 2010s, when, whereas Tony Leung's more of like late 90s to 2000s. So it's really odd seeing like two different generations of Hong Kong legends and them doing acting and it was like well it's I guess it's sort of it irked out people seeing Zac Efron and Zendaya because it's two different generations of Disney 
being together in Greatest Showman. Oh man, I didn't think about that. I I just thought it was weird because I just in my head he he is always Troy Bolton and will always be Troy Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> And with that note, we're we're gonna talk about on-screen chemistry. And as it turns out, well, uh, with the Shangxi one, even though it's like cross-generational Hong Kong TV stars, it worked out because I buy that they love each other. Um, what are like some standout things that would be important to establish that these characters have great chemistry, so that you buy that they love each other? I guess don't force them together. <laughs> It sounds like the bare minimum. But yeah, but it's true though. It's a little hard sometimes when you walk into certain like movies or TV shows and you know the characters are supposed to get together, but you don't really get to see like a slow burn at all. You're just kind of like, oh, well, now they're dating and now they love each other. Why? Because I don't know anymore. No, it's always those shows, especially with like, uh, oh, there's only one girl and then she's gonna get with the main guy. Yeah, it's it's a trope, but like. That's the trope, and like we're supposed to buy that they love each other, and that's always odd to me. Like speaking of Outlander, like Katrina Balfe and Sam Hewen don't have bad chemistry. It's just the way their characters are brought together is that Claire gets transported to the 1740s and rides on the back of a horse of these this Scottish soldier. Guess what? He's the only hot one of all of them. <laughs> it's always like by proximity we hope that they love each other. That's why like. I'd say J.K. Rowling does this really weirdly. So if you've seen uh, the Fantastic Beast movies, uh, Newt Scamander and the, what's the name of the order? It's like Goldstein have no chemistry, but because she's a lady and he is the man, it's <laughs> apparently they love each other and I don't buy it. But it's so weird because like she has written like uh, good on-screen male and female friendships like Harry and Hermione and like Harry and Luna but why can't they just be friends but apparently they do get married at some point in like the history of like Harry Potter world and I just don't buy that they love each other maybe it's because they forced a straight couple together maybe you so- should just see where the characters go <laughs> like I know you haven't seen this Christmas story Christmas movie but like no, I have not, Aubrey yeah. Plaza gets introduced and Kristen Stewart has issues with her girlfriend the whole movie. But Aubrey Plaza shows up and everybody's like, they should get together. They're going to get. And then the credits roll. And you're like, what the hell? That was a movie that just like baited you with chemistry. And then just destroyed your hopes and dreams. Oh, no. We could go into this another time. But I like preface this. The queer baiting is a thing. And mm-hmm. I'm so, I, I know that that Kristen Stewart movie is a queer movie. Right? Mm-hmm. but it's somehow queer baiting still the way that you have described it to me because like queer ba- the history of queer baiting is like a whole last old thing and I feel like there are more um, knowledgeable people who will be able to speak on it like uh, the chemistry between the two leads and Supernatural have been baiting people for the past 15 or so years uh, neither of us watched Supernatural to know but we do know it became canon on the weirdest day on the earth uh, 5th November 2020 yeah it was like you you wake up and it's like Georgia became Democrats Destiel is true Sherlock might be coming back Putin stepping down it's oh, yeah, all Putin, last day. Yeah. Yeah. oh my god yeah that had to but, be a fever dream but the history of queer baiting on TV it's been prevalent it's been bad um and 
we're sorry to all the people that they're misrepresenting because it's really done so badly. I am of the belief that chemistry drives the direction of TV because there are shows that completely shift direction when um, they find out that two characters have like great chemistry and then they like put those two characters together. So like in Friends, um, Monica and Chandler were never written to be together, but like full on when Monica and Chandler hooked up, it was going to be a one-time thing. But because the actors and like the audiences received so well with like, worked so well with that and reacted so well with the, the two, those two characters being together, they actually ended up being Endgame and it was really cute. And that's a good indication of when uh, TV writers take notes from what their audiences are enjoying. So that was really fun. I still think about Doctor Who to this day because they keep talking about like the 13th Doctor and Yaz need to be together. And in this latest season, they're kind of like arguing with each other because the Doctor doesn't want to reveal certain things. But I'm like, these two are just literally a couple at this point. And I need y'all to break the ice and break the tension of like, yes, the doctor's having trouble, but Yaz is the one person that's going to help her out. Guess what? They don't want to do that because they're two women. Shipno. Shipno, you high key suck. Sometimes characters can have like great chemistry, but yeah, it's really about the cut when especially you recast someone. So, um, for one of my favorite shows of all time, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, there's this character the main character got with. Uh, so main character is Rebecca and the guy that she got with is Greg. So Greg leaves, the actor that plays Greg leaves after season two, but they bring Greg back in season four. But instead of bringing back Santino Fontano, uh, they bring back the pasty white guy from Pitch Perfect. And all the chemistry that Greg and Rebecca had in season one to two, it was perfect. It was fun. And it, I have to adjust to this new Greg, the pasty white guy from Pitch Perfect. And I don't, you don't I even, just don't. What is his name? Do you know his name? Skylar Aston. Oh my God. You just <laughs> want to call him pasty white guy. I think he is pasty white guy. I know he's like in other stuff too. He's in like Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Yeah, but, I'll be honest, he probably doesn't have good chemistry with Zoe in that either. Um, oh, no. I remember she got with her other co-worker, and then they broke up, and then she suddenly got with her, like, childhood best friend, who was the pasty white guy from oh, Pitch no. Perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, no, why is this still happening? Well, yeah, so that was super jarring, and it kind of broke the whole shit, because I was a full Rebecca and Greg are endgame girl. But after Greg came back and it wasn't Greg, you know what? Yeah, Rebecca's better off alone. (laughs) So yeah, as you can see, chemistry makes and breaks romantic type TV shows. Another example I've listed here is Great Gatsby, the Leonardo version with the Carrie Mulligan. That was so odd. Honestly, I made the mistake of, I think, watching the movie before I read the book because then I had to read the book for class. But then it's like, Gatsby loves his woman and I'm just like no they don't I don't remember them doing that (laughs) maybe it's because Leo's already in that point of his life where I think he's just a self-centered person and only dating women under 25 so great casting on that (laughs) (laughs) damn you gotta bring real life into this (laughs) I mean we can bring real life in somehow for a lot of things real actors get together because their characters love each other which i get like a lot of people want them to get together but then it's also really disappointing when you find out that like one of them has a spouse and you're like my hopes and dreams are crushed 
But for some reason, like for every Spider-Man couple, the, the hopes and dreams haven't been crushed. We've been able to see them get together in real life somehow. When it was sort of like low-key launched that Zendaya and Tom Holland are dating <laughs> on Twitter. It's really funny. Someone tweeted, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. And then pictures <laughs> of Toby and Kirsten, pictures of Emma and Andrew, <laughs> and then now pictures of Tom and Zendaya. Okay, but I have to say, I do think that Andrew and Emma had good chemistry on screen and off screen. Zendaya mm-hmm. and Tom do not on screen because of the way they wrote Peter and MJ. It's not really the fault of Tom and Zendaya, though. Don't get me wrong. But it, yeah, it definitely hinges on like how writing can shift the chemistry. Because as much as how uh, to- uh, Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart date in real life, they can't fix <laughs> shit material. So they no. might have great chemistry, <laughs> but like Twilight was, uh, oof. <laughs> yeah, no. I think there was an These- article recently from Kristen Stewart that's like, yeah, I kind of understand Bella more now. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are people who have kissed outside of being in front of the camera. How come when they're sucking face on camera, it just looks like they both hate being there? Though I understand that they hate being there because Twilight. Probably because Rob already hated being there. So he was like, let's get this over with. Bad chemistry can ruin a lot of things. Well, bad writing also ruins good chemistry. We have established that. Well, yeah, because, you know... I have to throw back to my first alternative post ever. I don't like Peter and MJ because we spend the first film, Spider-Man Homecoming, with Peter being like, I got to get to know Liz. And Liz is great. Liz is amazing. Liz is the popular girl. But MJ's kind of just kind of there in the background. Sorry, she's Michelle at that time. Um, and Michelle's just kind of there like, I'm the weirdo who draws pictures of you on the side. <laughs> I'm like, there's nothing about them that tells me they would get along at all or that they would be best friends. It's kind of my gripe with the new Spidey movies because if you are not Peter Parker or the main villain, you have almost no character motivation or character growth. Like uh, Peter's friends don't, as much as the crap that Peter goes gets them into, they don't necessarily learn anything or grow out of, grow from that experience. If you're the only like character depth that we get is if you're the villain aka if you are Liz's dad or if you are Jake Gyllenhaal enemy number one Jake Gyllenhaal (laughs) especially after this week I mean he also did some gaslighting as Mysterio so I guess he wasn't typecast he was just being himself what about like um general group chemistries see I think that makes me think of skins and that like oh I haven't seen that every two seasons the cast changes so then I I hate it because then I have to get used to like who the new cast is but then by the end of those two seasons I'm like this was amazing this was great I can't like I miss those characters already and then they're like nope we're gonna change everything and I'm like you suck I feel like for group chemistry it definitely um comedies do it way better than like drama type shows i i feel brooklyn nine nine yeah that was <laughs> one of the best examples. any uh michael Scherzer show has like great group chemistry like parks and recreation you could put like any two characters from the main ensemble together to have their own like b or c storyline and it would still work and be hilarious that's what i like about like good group ensembles and that like 
you really have to take a second and think if so-and-so was paired with the other person, what would happen if this, if this and this happened? Once you develop all of them together, they all kind of have their own role in the group. So then when you put the group together, it's like, oh, that's the function of how this group goes. Yeah. <laughs> this is everybody's part. But when you can't decide what part has what, or let's say you have this person never interact with this other person, then you don't have a group. You don't have an ensemble because you don't know how they're all roles inside the group. Best group chemistry is if you can put any of these five characters paired in any single way. So like you pair a and c and you would get a good episode a and d you get a solid episode you pair uh, b and d together and you get another solid episode and that's always like refreshing because this, this means that the characters can stand well alone and they can stand well with other characters in the show mm-hmm. it's like i like to think about teen titans and that like they have their <laughs> own powers but like let's say cyborg and starfire like need to defeat somebody they know they're powerful enough to like combine their powers together that's the best example actually they were my first ensemble so i like to think about it like in terms of superpowers but also i like to watch a lot of shows where these people have like side powers or something they don't want to tell someone else and it's like it's what they bring to the table physically Mm -hmm. what they bring to the table but i guess you have to think about it another way and like if it's not a fantasy or sci-fi show like what does that person bring to the table that contributes to the group no, of course. And even like minor characters. So I remember that like uh, episode in 99 where I think it was Scully who was like, well, I like puzzles a lot and they were sorting through all the shredded <laughs> files. <laughs> so like Scully's like, I found it. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. And that time that they were trying to get Hulk to his like uh, interview and Amy was like, so we're going to get this done and we're going to put this together. And we're going to be there on time. We're going to get him there on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this is also our little PSA. Go watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it's fun. So, well, what have you been watching? I have been watching the Cowboy Bebop anime in preparation for the live action. I'm a little nervous for the live action. <laughs> I think I think you'll be okay because what I've seen on Twitter, people enjoyed. It's been a mixed bag. They're saying that like if you watch the anime recently, you're going to hate the live Ooh. action. But if you grew up with the anime, you're going to love the live action. Okay. I don't know, but I also don't know if that's like gatekeeping of like, oh, well, you watched it recently, so you're not going to know the ins and outs. I'm like, that's bull. We, did we not watch the same show? So I will probably come back with my verdict on the live action sometime soon. Hi. What about you? What are you watching? Uh, I watched Tick, Tick, Boom last night. And How was that? It was an emotional journey. And Ooh. I had, I definitely felt emotions because... Oh my gosh. See, my favorite Letterboxd review is like, do you see how much good Lin-Manuel Miranda can do if, when he's not in front of the camera? Yes. So <laughs> This so, man can't sing. So. Yeah, it was really good. Andrew Garfield was really good. The story was very emotional and Netflix turned out another good one. And I I watch The Eternals, I guess. That's my other one because I have no more time. That's okay. We'll get plenty yeah. of time to watch other things. Yeah, I've been watching the the Cowboy Bebop anime on like in transit because I'm like, oh, it's 20 minutes. I can download it. It's great. Yeah. But like any show that's longer than that, I'm like, oh, I have to I have to like sit down and watch this. Yeah. And my attention span doesn't exist anymore, as I'm sure yours doesn't either. 
<laughs> what my what do I have attention span for now? Technically, I did watch a short film. I watched a 10 minute short film of All Too Well, starring Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Singh. <laughs> I'll be honest, I saw that, but I yeah. did not want to put my attention on it. <laughs> okay. All right. So next week we will be talking about representation and visibility on screen because we definitely have a lot to say about that. And um, join us on that ride next week. Yeah. If you were here for our Oscars episode, be ready for another ride. Um, this will be more specific, less Oscars oriented, but it's going to be great. Come back. It's going to be a great time. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Right. Remote watch out. <laughs>